I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Down! In the score is Smith! Walk off the Phillies in game three. Cattell Marte takes a victory lap. Joe Davis and Brian Anderson getting it done once again. The clinching call for a couple games, a couple important games, the ALCS, the NLCS. It's getting spicy. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're not going down without a fight. They closed the series to two to one with a win with a great game, unbelievable game against the Philadelphia Phillies. And, of course, the Houston Astros now doing their Houston Astros thing. Being the Rangers, tying that series up 2-2, isn't this awesome? It's all awesome. And we're going to keep coming with the content, with the information, with the entertainment, all of it. At BB isn't boring. I implore you to go to at BB isn't boring. Instagram, Twitter account, producer Avin doing an awesome job. Also, I implore you to go to fanduel.com slash boring. We also, one of the podcasts we have on today, we have a flurry of them today, and one of them is Papelbon, Jonathan Papelbon, our gambling expert, who, if you don't know by now, I don't know where you've been, he is on the cusp of winning $150,000 because he bet on the Phillies to win the World Series way back when. And he's on the podcast to break that down and some very interesting things to talk about when it comes to the guy that he got in a fight with way back with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper and a little bit of Breslow going, possibly going the Red Sox former teammate of his. And speaking of Breslow, that's what this podcast is all about right here and right now. We have Patrick Mooney of The Athletic on. We have Julian McWilliams of the Boston Globe on. And Patrick was the one who got everybody in a, in a tizzy on Thursday, writing a column about Craig Breslow, about how he may be way down the road when it comes to this job with the Red Sox, head of the front office, head of the baseball operations. And so we wanted to have Patrick on to get his perspective. We want to have Julian on just because Julian's always entertaining and always great to talk to, part of our family, our baseballs and boring family. It's a great, great breakdown of where the Red Sox stand, but not only where the Red Sox stand in terms of their search, but also in terms of Craig Breslow. Mostly it's about Breslow because he's a fascinating guy. I've known him for a long, long time. And I can tell you, the more you look into it, the more you think about it, he, he is, he should be a candidate. He absolutely should be a candidate because we talk about checking off boxes. We talk about what potentially is they need, what they're looking for, all of that. He is, forget about the fact that he hasn't been a GM, which we wanted to prioritize and maybe we should prioritize. But I do think if you're looking for an outside the box hire, this guy should be at the top of your list. Anyway, all right, like I said, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, leave a nice review. 
we're doing our best here every single day. I think our best has been pretty good. So at BB isn't boring once again. Check out everything there. But right now, Patrick Mooney, Julian McWilliams, and myself talking a little bit. Breslow, Red Sox GM search. All right, two of the finest human beings that I know, Patrick Mooney of The Athletic and Julie McWilliams of Nesson. <laughs> we also dabbles with the Boston Globe. Uh, also, but also more importantly, he's here now with, with the Baseball's and Boring Podcast. Julian's second appearance. I think, Patrick, this might be your second appearance on this iteration of my podcast life. The Baseball's yeah, I, Boring. I believe I was on the Bradfoe show. Yeah. Yeah, but this is national. This is big. Okay, all right. This, all right. this is this is big. So when you have news, a brand now, I have a yeah. brand, and I'm gonna pro, I'm, I'm gonna give you another hollow promise for T-shirt, which I I, I pay off on every third time. Um, Julie, how, you have what do you have a sweatshirt or a T-shirt? You you were begging for something. I have both. Oh, there you go. All right, of course. Do you wear them? Yes, of course. All right. Okay, all right. I didn't, real, I didn't realize this. I was talking to, uh, the Godfather, Joe Kelly last night for the podcast. And cause he was wearing around his baseball support. I said, you wearing the playoffs? He's like, they don't let you. They don't let, okay. yeah. They don't, they said that you can only wear like on the field anyway, like MLB issued stuff during the playoffs. Jeez. What a, what a arrogant a-holes. Seriously. <laughs> That's so on brand, though, for MLB. Like, of course they would have a rule about that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Julian McWilliams, colon, MLB, arrogant (laughs) a-holes. Bye, Ian Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, listen. Uh, let's talk some, let's talk some front offs. Let's talk some offseason, even though we're still in the playoffs. All right, fellas? Um, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, we're gonna talk first about Craig Breslow. And Craig Breslow is an interesting guy. And as I was just telling Patrick, he got, Julian, you can attest to this. He got the city of Boston a buzzing. Didn't he? Yeah. He got him buzzing. He did. he did. He did. It's been, it's been some dark days here. You know, nobody wanted, nobody wanted to be here. It's like, there it was like the, the ugly, the girl who thought she was hot. And all of a sudden, everybody's saying, no, uh, you're actually like a five. But they're back up to a seven, Rob. They are? Oh, so, solely because of Craig Breslow. Exactly. Like, he went, Boston went from a five to a seven because of a guy who has never, you know, four. been above, above. Four. No, it was oh, a four. Went for a it four. Like a, it was a four. Oh, really? The, Neil, mean, everybody was, Neil Huntington everybody. didn't get him up to a five? No. No, 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 that didn't quite push the needle. That didn't, that didn't, that didn't quite, like, that, that didn't quite move, move the needle. But, Dad you know. Levine, no? Uh, no. Four no. and a half, no? Four, four, four and a quarter. Okay. And the idea of Kim Ang, no? The idea? The, the possibility? Yeah. You know, all of us have possibilities, right? <laughs> I mean, my possibility is Halle Berry. That's not happening, though. <laughs> So, you know, you got to work with what you have. All right. <laughs> Maybe we should edit that part out in case your uh, wife is a loyal subscriber to the Baseball and Boring Podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway, we like we said, you got, Patrick, you got the city buzzing with Craig Breslow. So, take us through, take Julie and myself through sort of when – when you first heard the news that Craig Breslow was in the mix for some, I think the first time anyone said anything was Gammon's tweet, right? About that they were looking at him for a pitching something or other. But t- take me through your thought process about when Craig Breslow's name in the Red Sox f- were first linked up. Well, Rob, I'd say that every couple of years, it seems like we are comparing notes and talking about this weird incestuous Cubs Red Sox relationship of players and executives changing sides and the, uh, you know, various pissing matches they've had, uh, over the years. But this one, obviously, uh, Peter Gammons is a legend. He had that tweet. I think that was off in the sense of like, 
Like Craig Breslow isn't taking another job to like run your pitching program and like, you know, do zooms with your minor league prospects. Like he wants to run a team and there's been a lot of great reporting uh, out of Boston, like here and there with, you know, um, present company included and you know, my colleagues at the athletic, lots of different outlets. So not saying like Craig Breslow is the only guy here, but he's deeply involved in this. And this is, you know, he would not, we would not be at this point if he wasn't a serious player. And what I, what I mean in that is like the Cubs knew he'd go run a team at some point. They also knew he wouldn't just go work for any other team that, you know, he would want, you know, power. He would want a payroll. He would, you know, want something that works for his family. And the Red Sox are one of those kind of rare teams. And, you know, he can afford to be patient because he has this like unicorn resume of, you know, Ivy League and World Series pedigree. Like it's hard to, to find that. And so, you know, I think he has grown, um, over the years with the Cubs. And I think, you know, Theo Epstein was personally involved in this. Uh, he kind of made this happen when Craig was looking to make this transition and basically told him like, you write the job description, you fill out the contract, do whatever you want. Like, you know, you have amazing credentials. That was kind of the pitch to him. And you know, they, he never had to move to Chicago. Uh, he still lives not far from, you guys not far from Fenway Park. And, you know, really, this is someone who, and you guys probably know him better than I do, honestly. I mean, going back to his time as a player, someone who sees the long game and knows that he can afford to be patient. And this is one of those rare opportunities. And when I mean a rare opportunity, it's to be the number one guy. It's like, he's basically the GM anyways now. And GMs, as we all know, are basically assistant GMs. And so if you want him to run your show, um, he has a very interesting resume. If you want someone to, you know, explain spin rates and pitch grips to like your A ball pitchers, like he's already done that. So there's a lot to pick through there. I, before I get back to you, Patrick, Julian, you tell me your thoughts when you heard this, when you, when you read Patrick's report, when you first heard about Breslow being involved, what was your thought? Yeah, I, I think that was, you know, obviously, I think we talked about it on the last time, Rob, in terms of um, them getting guys, a guy that, you know, has a pulse for, I guess, Boston itself. And, and you know, I think not to beat a dead horse, I think we, you know, that we obviously think that, you know, Heim sometimes sort of missed that in some senses. And, you know, obviously with Craig playing here, um, you know, the unique, unique background of having that Ivy League pedigree, you know, you know, you know, can sort of submerge himself in, in analytics and plus have the feel for the game, have the feel for the market. I mean, that's, that's probably what you're looking for, right? In terms of, in terms of, of somebody who can come in here and, and, and do something. And then, you know, obviously I read your story, Patrick, it was really good in terms of just him, you know, him sort of shifting the overall pitching, um, dynamics with the Cubs. And that's, that's an area where the Red Sox have struggled, not necessarily, I mean, not even just at the big league level, but, you know, even down to the minor league level, you look and you say, you know, Brian Mata's is there, you know, was their number one pitching prospect and he hasn't pitched in what, like say two years or something like that. And when he does pitch, he can't throw strikes. And so, you know, they haven't really developed a starter, you know, Brian Bale's like probably their first starter they've developed since what, I think like Clay Buckholtz, I believe. Or right. something like that. So that's an issue. Um, It's an organizational issue that existed even when they were winning, you know, World Series in 2013 and I guess 2018 or some something like that, where they just, you know, they they don't have that that inner workings of, of starters that that they've sort of built up, and you're sort of seeing that now with the Tanner Houks and the guys like that. So it makes sense. Um, you know, you got to go out there and get a pitching guy. Pitching is where they've struggled, and you know, what better person? I, I you know, I guess than for as the Red Sox see it, than than a guy that has the the history of playing here, in addition to you know the the history to make not just not just bring in analytics but it also also make them digestible because if you if you talk to a lot of players they'll say they want the information they just need somebody just to be able to explain it and it's in it in its simplest terms to make it to 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 sort of convince them 
to do certain things. Cause you know, players, they have their routines, they have their, their, uh, you know, thoughts on things and, and to, to, that got them here. So to be able to, you know, sort of convince them to, you know, Hey, your, your fastball can obviously work better up in the zone. Here's why. Um, you know, or, you know, you should throw your sinker more or this or that. Like you have to be able to have something concrete there versus just saying, Hey, here's, here's what the numbers say. Go out and apply it. So uh, I, there's a lot to, again, there's a lot to pick through with both of you guys. And, and Patrick, I'm going to ask you in a second that you had mentioned about he's, he wants to be the guy. Like this is, has to be the guy. He's basically the GM now, which is the guy under the guy. Um, but before I do, before I get to that, I'll say this. I'm just going to add to all the things that you guys said is I think that part of this, as you had talked about, you guys had talked about sort of this unicorn resume, right? Yale and championship and diving into the analytics and all of that. And I, I had mentioned this today and the thing I wrote, I think that what I heard about Chris Young, and there's some similarities to draw from this, right? I mean, relatively the same amount of time in the major leagues, uh, very bright guy, um, guy who had come up and, and sort of dove into the analytical side of a front office. Um, and now a guy who's in charge, but you look at Chris Young and you hear this. I heard it right at the trade deadline. This is a guy who knows what it feels like to be a major league player in a major league clubhouse. And I think that not to say that a lot of these candidates that are out there can't do the job, but I look at what Chris Young and, and the feel of, okay, this guy's, this guy's analytics might not be right on point, but I know that he's going to come through when it counts the most. I know what that guy has gone through. I know, hey, he, he has this injury, and I know he can get past that injury and be productive. I look at all of that, and I say, okay, that correlates with what Craig Breslow brings as well. So with that said, Patrick, you've been around Breslow's tenure with the Cubs. Um You talked about that unicorn resume. Can you see that? Because – because I think that right now you look at, at what Julian was saying or in what you were saying, Patrick, this isn't about just, hey, I'm going to show you this grip. I'm going to show you the rap soda. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you that. This job is all of this stuff that we're talking about. So from your perspective of what you've been around with Breslow, do you feel like this is his time to do exactly what we're talking about? Well, I'd say that. You know, the Cubs talk about him differently than even a couple of years ago when, I don't know, the Mets changed the people on their team so often, but I feel like maybe it was before Billy Epler was hired, like I heard maybe Breslow. And, I, and the word I got was, you know, not, he's still got kind of a ways to go if you're talking about running a major league team and the transactional side and all of that. Uh, but what Breslow did was really implement these kind of systems and the impl- implementation did not always go smoothly. As you guys know, when you're dealing with like hundreds of, you know, players and coaches and, and staffers, and there was some trial and error pitchers always get injured anyways. Um, technology is, you know, always a hot button issue, uh, you know, in clubhouses um, and stuff like that. So I'm not saying, Everything's been perfect on the pitching side of the Cubs organization, but like he hired up staff. He, uh, implemented these programs. He leaned into, uh, even harder into, uh, analytics, pitch design, pitch shapes. And, um, when I say trial and error, I mean, I do think he and the Cubs have adapted over the years and it's hard to like, separate, you know, sometimes the credit or the blame. Like, I'm so glad, uh, Julian, that you mentioned Clay Buckholes because I couldn't remember that guy's name. And I had to, I always had the back of my head because that was like, you know, Theo's rap, right? Like he didn't draft John Lester and the only other like starter they developed was, uh, that guy. And the Cubs had a similar kind of drought. And so it's not like the Cubs are the Rays or the Dodgers now, but you know, they had come from such a, 
lower end of Major League Baseball in some of this stuff and just kind of dragging it, you know, towards the middle or maybe the to an above average place makes a significant difference. And some of that is, you know, Theo's gone and the Cubs drafted pitchers in the first round. That's something that Theo didn't really do here. Uh, one of their biggest success stories was, you know, drafted under Jason McLeod, the former Red Sox executive, and that's Justin Steele. And that took like, I don't know, a decade. So you obviously have to speed some of this up, but there are a lot of things that you can point to just like, uh, I'm sure Craig Breslow in his interview can pull out tons of stats that say, you know, the Cubs stuff, uh, and fastball velocity and like how it, you know, strikeout rates and walk rate, how it relates to across major league baseball. And it can be a pretty compelling, uh, presentation when you factor it in with all this other stuff that we're talking about, how he can walk into the home clubhouse in Fenway Park and know exactly, uh, what's that, what that's like. So, Julian, you said going from a four to four to a seven. All the things that yeah. we're talking about, I right? Mean, this is this, yeah. this, this, this is what it comes this is what it comes down to. Because let's be honest, a big part of this is perception, right? Mm-hmm. It just is, and you know, and I know that some of the candidates that have been surfaced that they've interviewed, people are like, "Oh, really? Really? This yeah. is where we're at. This is where we're at." But yeah. I think that you, when you said from a four to a seven. Because of all the things that Patrick said, because of all the, because the idea of, oh, wait a second. I, I, do you think this guy, this hire right now, as we sit here, when it comes to perception, at least would be the best road for them to go down from all the names that you've heard? I, I, I still lean toward Eddie Romero, but I mean, it seems like that his name might not be, you know, maybe may not be the number one. I think he's been in the organization, but, you know, maybe they feel like they need, you know, a, a, a fresh eye. And, you know, I think from all the other names that I've heard in the running, even, even like, even like Sam Fold and, you know, all these other guys, I think when you're looking at the resume of, of, of Breslow and just what, what he brings to the table in terms of being around the game for, for a long time, pitching in Boston, you know, living here, Still having the pulse of, of, of what the city's like. Some in similar vein to Chicago, right? I mean, you know, you like fans show up every day, right? Like it's, it's the expectation of like, we want this product to be entertaining. We want this product to be, um, something that creates a, a winning formula. We want our team to make postseason pushes. We don't want to just like the, like the Cubs and, and the Red Sox, like not being in the playoffs. Like it, it's, it's not good for baseball, right? Like there's really, there's what I was talking the other night. Like it's only like one cold weather state, like in the playoffs, and every everywhere else is like a dome. It doesn't. There's only one cold weather state for what Tori Lovello just told me is lo- is long sleeve baseball, which I loved. I love that. Like like here we are in long sleeve baseball, and I'm thinking, well, now no, actually he's in Arizona, but I love that you said that. Like one cold weather state. What are we doing? What's it, happening? What are, exactly. It, it just it just feels weird, right? And so. When you, when you look at, when you, when you look at his resume, when you look at the, the obviously every, the stuff that, you know, Patrick is named, you know, I, I do think that that's, that's a candidate that can help, you know, from a per- perception perspective can be like, okay, I can work with that. Like that's something, you know, obviously the, 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 the lineage, the, the, the connection to Theo and all that stuff. I think that, that helps too, but just, just the overall, his, his, his experience here, um, as a player, I think, and, and winning here, um, not just the experience, but also winning here. Um, I think that goes a long way, especially with this market. I, I agree. I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. And I think that it's one of these things where, you know, it, it's again, you go back to perception of it and, and people like the outside the box sometimes. When, when the inside the box isn't smacking you in the face with, that's awesome. They like the outside the box. They do. And I remember, you know, one of the first things that I thought of, I'm like, okay, this is, cause when you first hear Breslow and Patrick, maybe you heard otherwise, but when you first hear Breslow, I'm like, all right, they're, they're testing the waters, right? There's, they're giving him an interview or maybe they're not even getting him in. Maybe they want him to be the pitching coach. I don't know. But, and then it gained steam. But 
there are these guys that get in the process and all of a sudden blow people away and they start looking at it differently. And I think they start looking at it differently in the team's element and also in the team's, uh, in, in the, in public's element. And I looked, I go back to, this is way back, but when Kevin Cash, like Kevin Cash was a bullpen coach, I think for a year, a bullpen coach for a year. Before that, he was an advanced scout. Before that, he was a player. And all of a sudden, he's the manager for the race. But he interviewed, I think, for the Rangers first. And he starts getting the interviews. Then he starts getting a reputation. They, they, everyone, people are looking at like, wait, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. So I don't think it like this. I think people like the idea of what might be. And it's just like a prospect, right, guys? I mean, it's like a prospect. Like, yeah. we like the idea of the, 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 um, the, the high upside, the high, the, the, the ceiling is higher for a guy like Craig Breslow in our eyes than it is for a lot of people. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I guess my, my question is, so what, what do you think they thought Heim was? Do you think they thought he was a prospect? Do you think no, they thought? No, was- I, well, I think they thought they, they thought, they hoped he was a prospect that came from a place that had done it a very successful way. So, okay. so I think with Breslow and, and Patrick, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't think they're looking at it and say, Oh, look, we're, we're, we're drawing from the Cubs way of doing things. They're drawing mm-hmm. from the recent success of the Cubs of, of Patrick articulated in his column and right here of some of the things that helps. That's, yeah. the, that's builds a LinkedIn page. Good for him. But it's, it's, but it's not drawing from like, I think with Heim, it was more, and we did this exercise. Holy mackerel. In the last 10 years, look at how much the Rays have won. They've won as much as anyone. Look, the guy who's part of the Rays, there it is. So I think there was that element more of anything. But Patrick, I want to ask you this. You had mentioned how he wanted to be the he was, he's ready to be the head guy. This was the goal to be the head guy. Now, is, do you get the sense there's a chance that, so he's assistant GM right now, right? That's his title along with the pitching thing. Yeah, like senior VP of pitching assistant GM. Assistant GM. Like that. So, yeah. so they could get him by calling him a GM and they could still put someone over him. Do you, do you get the sense that, and I'll throw out a name, Thad Levine, right? Thad Levine, who was, more experience in the front office, almost was basically on the doorstep of the Phillies job before backing out and Dombrowski got it, that Breslow would be okay with something like that, that that would be something that he would move from this current position because it is a bigger title and probably more responsibility. I mean, he's we've talked so much about all this pitching stuff. Well, you know, yes, the Red Sox have to get better pitching, but they have to be better at everything. So do you get that sense that he would move for that? Because I would answer it this way. I think the idea it was good to bring up the idea, Rob, of like a courtesy interview. Like this is not that. Like he would not go through with it. Um if this wasn't like heating up. You know what I'm saying? Of just like, you know, he doesn't really need the Red Sox, to be honest. Like, if you look at his resume and his trajectory, like, he is on the way to uh becoming that. And I would say that he, if he's not a GM, if he's not the number two, he's, like, number two and a quarter. Like, this is someone right now, who, right now who, Jed, who yeah. Jed Hoyer and David Ross are talking to constantly, whether that's, you know, day-to-day transactions, like what are we, how are we going to script out the bullpen? Uh, this is someone who met with Jamison Tyone in New York, uh, when they were courting him as a free agent. When the Cubs bring in, uh, you know, free agent relievers, a lot of times, you know, pitching coach Tommy Hadovy will, you'll play a lead role in that. But, you know, all of these like scripts that they give to, um, pitchers on how we're going to improve like that's you know a breslow thing and so i feel like you know the cubs have gone kind of above and beyond to accommodate uh craig breslow and let him do you know kind of what he whatever he wants and um 
I mean it in like a good way of just like, okay, like how do you want, how do you envision your post playing career to go? And they made that happen. And the Cubs, uh, have the kind of, um, latitude to pay him very well and give him a ton of responsibilities and let him wait for the right thing. And I think this is, uh, I think any candidate would look at what's happened to the people who run the Red Sox in recent years. Like if you win a world series, you get fired. If you don't win a world series, you get fired. And it's like, you know, (laughs) this is not a one hiring cycle where Craig Breslow has this opportunity. And that's why I think, you know, the way it was explained to me is like the the Red Sox may wind up hiring two, right? Is that how? Yeah, I mean they they have like, two spots. They basically have okay. two spots, right? So it could be a president of baseball operation. I know that Julian loved these titles. I love them. Incredi- it's incredible how many. <laughs> how many? It could be president of baseball uh, operations and a GM. So that's why I mentioned ninety five analysts. Yeah, I I just I just don't think the title does that much right now. Maybe. Getting to work in Boston is is worth it, right? I mean, obviously, like when you live that close to Fenway Park, um, and instead of going to Arizona for spring training and fly, and that's the other thing too. Like you know, he's regularly at Wrigley Field. He'll he's in Arizona for X number of weeks for spring training. Uh, usually, when the Cubs are on the road on the East Coast, like you'll see him there in the Eastern time zone. So like. He's very much like, you know, has his finger on the pulse of the day-to-day operations of the major league club. And I just don't think someone who's that much of a high achiever, um, and who's accomplished so much in the game is going to be like, it doesn't go through this process to like finish second. Right. And so that is certainly a layer of this. That's why, I, you know, when I say, you know, advanced discussions, like it took a lot for, you know, the Cubs, the Red Sox, and Breslow to get to this point, right? And so not saying he's the only guy or the – but he's you know, very firmly on the radar and, you know, will likely um, you know, make a very thorough, informed decision however this shakes out. Julian, where do you – right now as we sit here, and I know that, like, Patrick has, like, your heart rate racing. So like sold, sold you and Craig Breslow. He, he did. It's up, uh, it's up to eight and a half now. All right, so <laughs> it's almost at eleven. Spinal tap eleven. Uh what uh so as we sit here, Breslow, Levine, Romero, whoever else, right? Or maybe Kim Ang, whoever. What do you what do you feel about this and and by the way, now it's trickling not a lot, but there's a little bit like, oh, what did, what did, why do you even fire Heimblum? Like, what are you doing? Like, what, yeah. like, why did you do that? Like, look at this. Like, what is happening? And so we, now that we've gone through a couple of weeks of this and please let it be over soon. Uh, now what we've got through a couple, what do you feel? Like, what's your feel? What's your vibe? Like in terms of like, well, what do you feel about maybe it's who they should hire, what they should do, like the, the how you feel about the job now considering like compared to maybe like when the off season started when this whole thing happened yeah. um and because another mention, name that we haven't even mentioned guys which is part of this equation is Alex Cora it's yeah. Alex Cora right and i think that one of the things that an executive texted me today said cuz we're talking about this dynamic of potentially Breslow being with somebody else whether it's that or whether it's Breslow at the top and dealing with Alex Cora, one good thing about Breslow is that he doesn't have a big ego, right? So that I think that works in his favor when it comes to, you know, being put with a front office and a manager. And he also knows these guys. So anyway, go ahead. Floor is yours, Julian. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think in the in the beginning it was like really, really tone deaf, right? Like they're, you know, remember Sam comes out and says, this is the Boston Red Sox. And if you want to, you know, work here, then, you know, you'll work here. If you don't, then see you later <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, like, dude, like, I don't know if that's what you want to really want to say. Like, it's not, I mean, you guys haven't really done. Th- I mean, a lot of people from the outside, you know, looking in, they see it as like this toxic relationship. And even like Breslow, it's like, 
do you want to go from the confines of like being able to do zooms and, 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 you know, talk about, and obviously you want to, you know, go move up in your career, but is it worth it when you're going to get fired in four years? Right. Like where I can just like be in the confines of my own home, do a zoom, then hop off and take my daughter to school versus having to be at the park. Like, yeah, you're in Boston, but like you're at Fenway, right? Right. right? Like you're at, like you're, you're there, right. It's not, you're no longer like this, this work from home, work life balance kind of, you know, executive. It's like, no, this is, this is all in. I mean, you saw Haim, like he went in, like literally he looked like Obama. I'm, I'm telling you, like his hair was like brown. His hair was like yours. It was like took completely brown. And then by the fourth year, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So moral right? of the story, Patrick never become a uh, chief baseball officer. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he's like, like, he has like his like pep. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Super great. And it's, it's, you look and you're just like, geez, like this job really, really wears on you. So, um, for him to be able to, for, so the vibe I get now, I mean, last, last week it was bad, right? I mean, guys just like, just dumping them left and right. You got people, uh, like you got people declining left and right. And it's, it kind of felt like when they were missing out on like, you know, Jose Abreu and all those guys last year in the offseason, it was it was like, oh, the Red Sox are in on this guy too, but he chose elsewhere. Oh, they were in on Eflin, but you know, they didn't pay him such and such. So it's it kind of felt that that sort of vibe. But I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it is even though it does come with with the idea of like, hey, you know, you might get fired. I mean, it still is the Red Sox, but again, it come but to, to get to Patrick's point, I mean Breslow doesn't need them, right? And I, and I think that's what, that's what, what sort of Sam got misconstrued is the fact that he feel, felt like people needed them and, and people needed the Red Sox. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm actually good being the, uh, GM of the Dodgers and not, you know, having a sort of this. But big real game. quick, Julian. So you keep back to the Sam thing. Yeah. I don't think that that was like, it is hard. That was the salesman, Sam. Yeah. That was, that was like. Well, that was that a wrong was, sales pitch then. No, no, but, but well, you know, I, I don't know what else he would say. I'm not, I'm not defending it, but I'm just saying when he says, when, cause he got, did you ask that question? Did you ask no, that question? I think it was like, uh. Oh yeah, someone else. So anyway, it was like, so it was, but when he's asked the question, his tone changed. You're right. His tone, it was, it was the tone of it. The tone of it was very, very. Right. But it was, it was the, it was, I'm getting on a stool. Everybody gather around. You know, it's like, yeah. it was sort of like the, the, when Mookie went to the Dodgers and gave the speech, right? Yeah. It was, his heart was in the right place, but you know, it yeah. probably wasn't the, the, the right guy, the right time, the right message at the but it is what it is. Like it's someone yeah. who's desperately trying to do like, this is our avenue. Hey, Brandon Gomes. Hey, Sam Fold. Hey, Craig Breslow. Everybody understand how awesome this job is. But that's yeah. because he had that tone and said, he said that. It wasn't like they were going to be like, Oh, you know, to Patrick's point. Oh, you win the World Series. You're fired. Oh, you know, win the World Series. You're fired. Oh, forget that. I heard Pat, I heard Sam Kennedy say how awesome it is. No, right. no, no anyway. Right. And, and and so like so for me like I'm looking now and it, it just feels like too much stuff clustered together right like we're keeping the same front office that that were here fine Raquel Eddie fine they're great all awesome whatever however when you're saying oh but we also want to hire two more people and it's like okay so will Eddie be a part of that so does he move now move down to like number three or four then you got Mike Groupman there like how does this the structure of all this fitting all this into one work, right? And so when you're looking at somebody like Craig coming in, who has a vision, who came with the vision with the Cubs, and you said he was obviously met with some backlash and stuff like that, you're probably going to have the same thing in this front office to a sense. So it's like, how much of this job can I actually do? And so that's what it comes down to for me is like, sure, you're hiring these people, 
sure you're doing you're doing this, but like when it gets to the middle of the season, I'm not talking about opening day when it's like, oh yeah, you know, put together the roster, such and such and such. Like, no, I'm talking about when they're in Seattle in the middle of the season and you're just looking around and say, okay, whose job is this actually? Like, is this my job? Right. And and so I think that's that's the answer that that's sort of that that is sort of I mean, that's a question that I'm sort of like I can't answer, right? Because it just seems like they just have so many people in this in this in this pecking order in this front office, and then you have these new fresh ideas of how you want to work things and how things want to go, and it's like, yeah, but we don't do that around here. And it's like, wait, am I the am I the am I the first in charge or what? So that's the only thing that that like that it's for me, Rob. The answer right now is just confusion. All right, that's it. It's just confusion. I'm confused as to what the direction of this. Oh, I think I, I'm, I, I got it. I understood it. I, I, I was like, okay, this is they. They had direct uh, uh, thinking of saying we want to cut payroll, we but we still want to be competitive. When you're saying, okay, well, the Yankees sort of were able to be competitive. They were trying to build a long-term, sustainable roster. That was the thing. That was the message. What's the message here? Winning, okay, fine, but how do we do that with so many people and in, in, in so many hands in the pot? Plus the manager. Yeah. Wow. Well, like I said, I mean, but I, I think Dombrowski, when, when, so what you're saying or what your fear is, this goes back to before you were there. It was, this was the problem. It was Sherrington. It was Lucchino. It was Werner. It was Henry. To a certain extent, it was Sam. And then Dombrowski comes in and the first press conference, he's like, are you going to like, is Sam going to have any say? And basically he's like, no. Like it was like it was one word, no, and that was it. We all knew this was it, and we and they know that in Philadelphia now too. By the way, like this is the guy. Heim, I think they tried to do the same thing. I think it's smart. You have to have the guy in Chicago. Jed Hoyer's the guy, right? I mean, there's no room for interpretation, right, Patrick? Yeah. Right. No, I mean that was when Theo first came out to Chicago. It was. Not just the title, but to get a direct report to ownership, that meant everything to Theo. And uh, the Cubs' ownership group is imperfect, uh, but they really leave the baseball people alone. They give them excess your budget, do what you want with it. And that's when I talk about, you know, this is getting way far down the road, but if Craig Breslow is weighing his options, like Jed Hoyer will have full authority to do whatever he thinks is right to retain it. And now there's no standing away of like for a New England kid to grow up and win a World Series with the Red Sox and then be the number one guy at Fenway Park. Like there's nothing the Cubs can do like with that. But if we get into these more gray areas of title inflation and you know, whatever, like he has a pretty good setup where he is right now. And so, uh, I, for what it's worth, I heard he has a good relationship with, uh, Sam Kennedy, but I guess. Probably a lot of people do, but um, I can't can't hurt. I guess it's, I don't. It's, it's I don't funny. know the dynamics of the Red Sox as well as you guys. No, do. no, I, right. I'm, no, I'm equally believe, puzzled from afar. No, I believe yeah, I believe there's a lot of good. I mean, Eddie Eddie Romero was there when Breslow was playing. Raquel was there when there's a lot of people still there um, when when he was playing. But it's funny that because we we've had this tidal wave of of I can't family uh, considerations, right? And I think, you know, I know that people kind of crap on that, but I do think in some cases it's stronger than others. Like Thad Levine turned down the Phillies because of his family, right? John Daniels turned down an interview because of his family. Now, Sam Fold and Brandon Gomes, who knows? But I find it funny, Julie, like now <laughs> he can't say the family thing because they live in wherever, Milton. Well, yeah. well, uh, you know, it's, I, I enjoyed the flight to Chicago a lot more than the commute from Milton to Fenway Park. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, so we, we, there, there's, that is literally off the table now. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to ask each of you, starting with you, Patrick. Where does, what happens? What's, what's your guess? What happens with Craig Breslow heading into the 2024 season? What is he doing? Where, who is he with? Uh, I have no idea. I'm not pretending that I know the inner workings of the Red Sox. No, I'm no, saying, but I'm just like your gut. Your gut. Your gut. Your gut. Like maybe it's a, maybe it's a promotion within the Cubs. I don't know. I think you if know? he's offered the number one job, he would take it. And I think if he's not offered the number one job, he stays with the Cubs. Okay. I don't know that's, if that's too. Huh. 
It's well, not. that's my read on the situation, and that I would defer to you guys uh, in terms of the uh, palace intrigue at Fenway <laughs> Park, because I only heard it, you know, whatever, eighth hand from some of the, you know, all the ex-Red Sox employees I've encountered in, in Chicago over the years. No, but it's 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 good insight, honestly, because, like I said, I laid out the scenario where there's somebody over him. And I think that, you know, it, I, from afar, like knowing, knowing, you know, that Craig's been integrated into the, the Chicago Cubs way of doing things, but I've lost touch with it. I'll be honest with you. I saw him in Chicago when he went out there. I've lost touch with him and talking to you, like you get a sense of like how much more power I think that he has. And I think that people around Boston even understood. Like um, almost every sentence, like Ross Thomas, like, you know, and Brez, and Brez. I was like, talk, you know, whether you're asking about a, you know, uh, a transaction, a player, a decision, like, you know, he can't get any more inner circle with the Cubs than he is right now unless he's the number one guy, and that's not going to happen. So he can either bide his time and wait for the other, op- you know, another great opportunity, but obviously you run the risk of not getting to run the Red Sox. Oh, you just wait for the Red Sox to fire whoever they hire in three years. And, and then, four, and then four, but yeah, you'll be you know, really ready. Then. He has this moment. I think Chris Young, uh, his example matters. I think it's significant that he, when you see Brandon Gomes and uh, Sam Fold decline interview, just him agreeing to interview is a significant act of, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. of like kind of affirmation of like, yeah, okay, accepted. Like, yeah. So that's a big deal. And you have all these things kind of, you know, lining up. Like the Cubs certainly don't want to lose him, but they, you know, have to be braced for that, uh, possibility right now. All right, Julie, where's he end up? Um, where is, wow. Um, you're just so depressed. I, I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to, to a, where does he end up? I think, again, I think it goes back to, you know, having learned, you know, a lot about him, even, even in this, this segment, you know, I think, it, it it is deserving of a, of a number one title, right? I think if you're like even if he, if the if a guy comes in above him, right? If they, if that were to happen, well, then you're sitting there for four years. That guy gets fired. Well, what happens with you, right? You could have probably just been with the Cubs, moving up in some some you know in some form. And it's the Cubs, right? It's not like we're talking about like the Kansas City Royals. You're like, no, it's like it's one of the more historic franchises in all of baseball that we're talking about. It's like it's like you have Cubs, Cardinals. Yankees, Red Sox, um, you know, and, you know, whoever, Dodgers, whoever else you want to throw in there. And it's like those teams are one of one. So it's not like he's coming from a place where he has to necessarily, has to necessarily leave and sort of, you know, obviously I think Patrick, you alluded to his, his title, you know, his, his role with the team outweighs, you know, actually what his, what his title actually is. He does a lot more than uh, what a title is. So I think you have to be a number one and I'm going to go with, Go with, um, you know, uh, with Patrick on that. I think he has to be a number one. And I think if he is a number one, he does end up here. Um, but again, I think that the, the idea of having, having just all those moving parts and all those, uh, um, not moving parts, but all those, the, just the cluster of front office execs and the manager and everything like that. I think he's going to have to get a real good, and I'm sure he is with, you know, his background and everything, but to get a real good feel for, what his role with the team should be because, you know, probably time at, at times felt like his hand, hands were tied, right? Even down to, you know, picking who is, who he wanted to be as his manager when Cora came back. So I think there has to be this, this, um, this, this sense of, 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 okay, can I run this organization? For instance, right? Like if he feels like Alex, like Alex's Cora's contract is up at the end of the end of this year or in the next year, I think a question that he should ask is if I feel like he's underperforming, can I fire him? Right. And I think, and in grant, I, I like Alex. I think Alex is a great manager, but that's a, that's a question that if I were going into it and my family were on, if, if my, if my family were a part of it, I'm switching, switching a job, switching, not a career, but switching, uh, um, you know, going, going up in the pecking order and becoming a front office exec for the Red Sox. I think there has to be like, Hey, like, can I, if, if I feel like this guy's underperforming, can I bring in a guy that I feel like that I can get this done with? And that's going to have to be a question. I think that has to be answered. And I'm certainly sure that it's it's something that he's probably, you know, possibly alluded to. And I, I get mean, why I get why people don't people look at it of okay, bring him in as the number two. And I just 
doesn't really kind of work with how he's wired to my understanding. And it's also like the stuff that he doesn't know or isn't experienced at can be learned. And that's where some of these, you know, I guess non-glamorous names, whether it's Neil Huntington or there has to be, you know, there's lots of administrators or experienced seasoned hands who can help with all that stuff. Like these jobs Mm -hmm. have become so big that you need multiple people. But if you need someone to kind of lay out the vision, win, win the press conference, talk to players, uh, at a really unique level, like, you know, the boring stuff matters. I mean, I see it. Like, I think the Cubs have been pretty good at that during Craig Breslow's time here as well. Like, you know, the Padres have no like depth or cohesion or kind of like, um, kind of a, a logical runway, like the getting those guys, those optionable pitchers or like, you know, when guys get injured, like who's the next man up, like all those things like are super important. And there are people in the game who are very well versed in that. There are not many people say who can say like I've pitched in the world series and I've done all these other things in the game. I think you can kind of get up to speed. Certainly someone uh, who's that bright can learn that side of it. And I think um that will probably be where this comes down to, right. Of, you know, he interviews for the number one job and then they'll see if, they think he's ready for it or not, and what sort of compromises uh, are people going to have to make in this? Well, he would definitely be the first ever president of baseball operations ever to write for WEI.com, which he did during the 2013 playoffs. He kept a journal for us, so we appreciate that. I appreciate you guys. You made me think this was like a good. This was a good workshop. We're workshopping. I love it. This is good. Yeah. You, I, you legit made me think about a lot of things differently a couple of days ago. Certainly a week ago, I, I had a totally different perspective of the Craig Breslow candidacy. Um, and now it's changed. So there you go. I think we did a lot of good today. Thank you. I always love talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm up to, I'm up, I'm, I'm, I'm up at 8.65 now. You are fired up. Let's go. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.